Hey everybody, this is Ashley. This is Karen. And this is The Musicals. We're coming back at you um, fresh from seeing The Roommate by Jen Silverman at the Des Moines Playhouse last weekend. We went on opening night for the socially distanced live theater. So again, we were in our car sitting back in the back um, watching the play that was happening on stage and it was piped through our um, car's radio. So like a drive-in movie, but live theater instead of a movie. Right, right. So Karen, you want to kick us off about The Roommate? Um, yes. So I went in um, blind. I did not do any pre-reading. And in fact, I thought it was The Roommates, not The Roommate. Um, so uh, when we got the little playbill, it was kind of interesting to read Um that it was called the roommate, not the roommates. As um, a side uh, note, after watching the performance and trying to do a little bit of research, there is a film, like a thriller film called The Roommate. Yeah. And so any if you Google The Roommate, it brings you up to the movie. <laughs> and so you have to say The Roommate, the play, for you to actually get any information about The Roommate. So, yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to uh, say movie based on the play, but no, sounds like no. No, not at all. And so for a while I was like, oh, maybe, you know, the movie was, yeah, based on the play. And then um, I figured, no, it's not because that had a full cast. Um, one thing we should mention is this was a two-person play. Um, it's it's not technically, a, it's not a one act, um, but the performance did not uh, have an intermission, um, which that is one of my comments as well too. But uh, I am interested in hearing on what your reaction was. My reaction? Um, yes. So The Roommate, I liked it. I liked it quite a bit, actually. I liked it better than the other one that we had seen. Um, the other one was a reading of letters. This one was an actual play. I mean, the actresses yes. had memorize their lines, there was movement, and there was blocking, there was things happening on the stage. Um, I thought the two, the two characters were great, the two actresses were great. Yeah. Um, I, they had my attention the whole time, I wanted to see where it was going. It took some twists and turns that I wasn't expecting, and it left me with an ending that I don't know what's going to happen next. <laughs> and I yeah. don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> um, so the quick synopsis, I guess we're doing this all a little backwards. Man, I feel like we've lost our touch. Um, <laughs> is that uh, there is a um, older middle-aged um, lady living in Iowa City who is recently divorced and she takes in a roommate and her roommate is her complete opposite. And um, it is another lady who is trying to um, restart her life. So while their um, backgrounds are very different and their approach of, to life is very different, uh, they are both trying to uh, restart from a, a new point because their circumstances have changed. There. Yeah. Is that, yeah. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. It's a great way to put it. And I, I think they are very opposite at the beginning. Um, and the things that motivate them seem to be very different as you go throughout, um, which I found very interesting. They're, they were very deep characters. They were not a flat character. 
Yes. And so that's one thing. So um, a couple of different things I enjoyed about it is it's always nice to see um, women getting top billing. Um, it made me think of uh, Steel Magnolias, where you had um, strong female characters. Um, that sounds so cliche, strong female characters, you know. <laughs> I can't yeah. believe I'm still saying that in 2020, you know, but um, I enjoyed that part. I thought the chemistry between the actresses was very good. I thought they played yeah. off each other well. Um, so, and they were given good material to work with. I think yeah. that they didn't have to um, develop too much of themselves. Um, at first though, Iowa was mentioned multiple times and I kind of did the mental eye roll where I'm like, oh, no, here we go. You know, the typical Iowa stereotype. Yeah. But um, it, I thought it developed well. And it, in time, it did stop. And I did look up uh, uh, Jen Silverman. And she has an MFA from uh, the University of Iowa. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I don't know if many people are aware, but the Iowa Writers Workshop is held in very, very high esteem. Yeah. And so you do get a lot of um, good writers coming out of that program. And so I, I again, I think the Des Moines um, Playhouse has done an excellent job with working with the circumstances they have. And mm -hmm. this was another excellent choice. It had the tie to Iowa, but it was a two-person performance. Um, they didn't skimp on the set. No. I thought, like, given that it was an outside performance at all, they didn't skip on the set. And um, that was another thing that was kind of fun in contrast to the first um, play that we saw, Love Letters, was the use of props. I yes. enjoyed that. I guess I didn't realize, like, not having watched live theater in a while, that I enjoyed when, like, you know, empty boxes are being moved right. to kind of give the uh, sense of time passing or, you know, motion, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah those are my initial thoughts. <laughs> yeah, it helps you get into it, too, right? You don't have to put all the pieces in together. And that was something we had said about love letters. We couldn't tell what time it was or how time right. had passed and things like that. And so the the use of the set and the props really helped us to stay in the moment and know where the characters were, I think. And there were a lot of uh, costume changes. Yeah. And, um, again, that was something in contrast to Love Letters because I remember we even talked about that where if they had like changed hats or something like that, we could have figured out that time was moving on. And this, I like the fact that there were uh, costume changes. It did make for uh, tiny bits of delays in the performance itself, but um, in hindsight, that's minimal. Uh, several times when there were those pauses, my thought was like, "Where is this going?" So yeah, <laughs> I think it yeah. lets you it lets you like stew with the material a little bit and give you time to think. So I enjoyed that as well too. Yeah, yeah, and you and I would look at each other and like, "What's happening? What about it, the what about the daughter? What's happening?" Right. So, yes. Yeah. As as a drive-in situation, it gave us that moment to kind of breathe and check in with who is next to us, which you don't get in regular live theater, right? Correct. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, I also looked up Jen Silverman because I was curious. And actually, this roommate, the, the play got some acclaim for being written specifically for um, women in their 50s, right? Oh, because sure. Because it's an underserved 
demographic. So yeah. most of your leading ladies are in their 20s, you know, and then you get the grandma character when you are elderly, but there's none for that middle age. And so um, right. this play actually got some renown for that. And what I thought was quite curious is that Jen Silverman, I could not find uh, an age on her. But looking at her pictures, I would say she is younger than the the characters in this um, performance. So I thought that was kind of interesting that she is writing for an older, I don't want to say older, but a, a more mature female role. Right. Yeah. So I saw um, an interview when the play um, opened for the Humana Festival. Um, I think the Humana Festival is in Louisville, I want to say. Um, yes, it is in Louisville. Um, and yeah, I was, I don't know what I was expecting, um, for a writer, but I, kudos to her for, um, tackling that and seeing that she is younger and has not experienced life from that time period. Um, I think it was remarkably well written. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm not there yet. <laughs> so maybe uh, somebody who was from, uh, you know, would like ha be able to pick out better things um, and yeah. say, oh, well, this doesn't agree. That doesn't agree. But um, I, I didn't think it was like too many cliches. Like what I'm trying to say is I feel like they didn't have some chat in the kitchen about menopause, you know, that I think would have right, been, right. Uh, you know, just like apart from being cringy, it would have been, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Condescending. That's the word I'm trying to say. Sure. So sure. I didn't feel it was in any way condescending um, towards that generation. No. So. In fact, I kind of felt that it was opposite. It made you, made you realize that they still have lives. They're not right. old and dried up just because their kids have moved out of the house and they're divorced and they're starting over. It gave the women um, like vibrant personalities things that they're looking forward to, hopes, dreams, those kind of things, but also like them as people, not them as mothers, not them as spouses, just them as they are. Right. Uh, multifaceted, multidimensional. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, one thing I did have an issue with was, um, and this is what I meant by there was no intermission. I wonder if an intermission would have helped a little bit with the story arc. Um, I could not find out if an intermission, if there normally is an intermission and they just forwent it um, with the current performance because it was drive-in. But um, it takes, like, it, the story seems to escalate really quickly at one point. And I wondered if it would have been better served if there was an intermission because then it would have showed the uh, passage of time better. Um, sure. So what I'm talking about in particular is, can, we're going to have to give away, they, they get into a cottage industry <laughs> and um, the potential target demographic changes. And um, I did not understand that part at all like I didn't ask you about it at the performance because I wouldn't I wanted to hear what you have to say so what do you have to say about that about when she changed her target audience yes I don't know that felt really weird to me and it felt really weird to one of the characters right right um so I don't know it to me it played to what the inner motivations for this character were so Sharon was the one who was kind of what you would picture a 
home buddy from Iowa divorcee who is calling her son every single day. And so I feel like she had the biggest transformation during the show Correct. because by the end of the show, she's doing things that you would have never expected her to do at the beginning of the show. Right. And so when her demographic changed, it really made me wonder what, she, where she was going as a character. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Like, what 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 is happening in her brain and that still happens at the end they kind of leave you with a cliffhanger and i'm wondering how much she is transforming during this show and if we as a <laughs> I, I feel like at, at certain points in the show you're like well this is the good guy and this is the bad guy but when uh-huh. i left at the end of the show i feel like that flipped around for me do you right. know what i mean yeah um, it was so I think the thing is, again, it goes with the preconceived notion. Like I figured like they would all, it would be touchy feely and they would each bring change to each other and, you know, hugs at the end and everybody goes on and it didn't, um, it got dark. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, but I can't help but think that that transformation was too quick. I think that's my issue. I didn't, I didn't understand that um, because there was, um, no indication of that at all. Um, maybe I didn't catch the early indicators of it, but sure. I didn't. I just thought it like escalated a little too fast. It did. Um, so they also had some sort of time marker as they didn't have it in love letters, but this time they had a voiceover that would be like the next morning or two weeks oh. later. So it did escalate quickly, but at the same time, you did get a s- knowledge of the passing of time. True. That is very true. I, uh, but that being said, the announcement of the next morning, um, I did not enjoy that. Um, no, I enjoyed the marker of the time. I didn't just enjoy the way it was so, um, I don't know, like the tone of it. Omniscient? <laughs> no, yeah, maybe that's what it was. It just didn't, it didn't click for me the way it was announced. Maybe a more uh, gentle tone would have been fine. Maybe. Well, and what was interesting too, (laughs) so the characters are moving all around the stage, which wasn't our experience with Love Letters. They were positioned what we assume is at least six feet apart, right? So these two characters were moving constantly and I never, it never felt awkward to me as though they were trying to keep space. But Uh there was a moment where instead of going through the physical motions they started announcing what was happening and that was awkward to me and I I know it was awkward to you because you commented on it at the time but I think that was their way of continuing the scene in the time of COVID I believe that is what they were trying to do and honestly once you got through that clunkiness it was fine but there was a 30 seconds to a minute that seemed kind of clunky in the middle that well near the end yeah um, you're exactly right. It was awkward. And I was like, what just happened? You know, um, and my initial reaction was like, oh, this was kind of some sort of Iowa censoring. But, and you were like, oh, well, it's COVID. I'm like, oh, duh, it is COVID. So that was uh, very strange. Um, the other part I didn't care for with the voiceovers. And what is me up with me and voiceovers was um, when um, the sun Sharon's son calls and leaves a message. I'm a daughter, so maybe that's how sons leave messages. 
But um, I thought it would be more like, hey, mom, you know, returning your call. And it was very like stoic, somebody reading from the script. Oh. And I just didn't have, I didn't get the sense. Like, I know they're trying to make it seem that their relationship is, you know, distant, et cetera, et cetera. But it just was super awkward reading, in my opinion. Yeah. Speaking of answering machines, we talked about this some, but I was confused as to what the time period was because one character, Robin, had a cell phone. It was very obvious. And she was using some sort of, she was playing music from her cell phone but the other character Sharon had a landline with a machine which I could see just be generational ish or whatever but she would call her her son and then leave messages as though he was listening to them in real time on a machine waiting for him to pick up um or maybe she's that's just the way she thinks everybody's phone works because that's how hers works I don't know (laughs) I um well and there was a ref I mean there was online dating so okay, it yeah. is definitely you know more it's contemporary it's not you yeah. know second past yeah um but I'm assuming that's like a typical mother thing where you just assume life is like yours that's true that's true and maybe I don't know it's uh I, it was all very strange <laughs> like when my mom goes check on the Facebook and see and so if so is engaged and I'm like that's okay mom I'm not even friends with okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> someone so granddaughter going on vacation I don't know I don't know yeah. girl. I don't know <laughs> that that is a universal mother thing it's the whole you, I all my response was always the internet you have is the same that I have <laughs> that's a good comeback I gotta remember that one yeah really yes because um, yeah it was always like here look this up for me <laughs> right you're like okay I'll just order it for you it will show up at your house yep <laughs> um We should, I do have the playbill right here in front of me and um, we haven't talked about the actress's performance specifically. Yes, and we do need to because I thought they did an excellent job. We do. Okay, so Jodie Jinks played Robin who was the roommate that moved in from the Bronx and Laura Sparks was Sharon who was the mild-mannered Iowa divorcee. Um. So I know that we've seen Laura Sparks before. She was in Silent Sky. She played Annie Cannon, and she's got a, a list of um, credits here. Um, I hadn't seen Jody Jinx perform before, I don't think. Um, but I thought they both did really excellent jobs. Um, like we talked about before, the characters were really well-developed. Um, I believe that they were, you know, I, I really bought into the whole play. Um, I didn't I didn't think I would find the compassion for Robin that I did near the end. Uh Um, Her character really grew on me and I didn't expect that. Um, And it's funny because as open of a book as Sharon seemed to be the whole time, she's the one that left me with the most questions at the end. Right. I think so as well too. There was, um, but I think it wasn't uh, like left a lot of questions. And while I do say the story escalated there, and she did behave, in my opinion, out of character. It wasn't a two-dimensional character that suddenly became three-dimensional. That's not what I mean by um, the uh, things escalated. It was all, it's still all within the realm of possibility. Yeah. It's just that it was it was faster than I would expect. 
Um, again, I thought the actresses had really good chemistry. They worked the stage really well. One thing that stuck out to me was um, that Robin's character was, uh, was a vegan. And so they are talking about almond milk. And you could see the arc of Sharon's acceptance of Robin through how much um, uh, almond milk she used in her coffee in the mornings. I don't know if you noticed that. Like she would pour, mm-hmm. she kept pouring more and more. And I enjoyed that attention to detail. Um, maybe mm-hmm. it was in the, uh, you know, in the notes of the, of the script. Um, mm-hmm. um, I mean, maybe it was, you know, like kudos to the director or whatever, but I enjoyed that. Like I thought it was again, um, doing an excellent job given the circumstances. I didn't feel like, oh, this is outdoors, drive-in, we can take shortcuts. That's my point. It wasn't fake coffee. It was, well, maybe it was, but it was not air coffee, you know, (laughs) and they were pouring things into things. It wasn't all miming, if you will. Exactly. Correct. Yeah. So I I enjoy that. Like I said, the set was good. It was uh, quite enjoyable. Yeah, I actually watched a little video that they had up on their um, Facebook page about, I think it was with the director, yeah, Katie Merriman. And she was kind of showing um, what it looks like to be on that drive-in stage because these characters were having to move the props around the stage for themselves. And then they would come off stage and get changed and go back and they'd have to have a new prop. Um, so they were, they were responsible not only for their dialogue and their acting, but they were also, um, there's no stage hands. Right. So they had to place the the props where they needed to be. And I didn't even even think about that. They did it so well. You didn't notice except for near the end where I was like, why is she throwing things around the room? And you're like, it's chaos. And I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I thought they did a really good job of doing that, too, because you just bought into all of it. Exactly. Correct. There was, again, I keep saying this over and over, but there wasn't a, um, uh, just, there was a good believability of the whole process. Right. Right. And they had, you know, on this part of the stage was where they had the kitchen, but the porch was like physically down a little bit and to go to their room was a different area. So you bought into the whole house, even though you had, I don't want to say a limited set because it was a very well put together set, but yes, um, they took you along for that ride. Yeah. Yeah. Now as I'm thinking about it, Karen, when you told me about how they poured the milk a little bit more, a little bit more, Uh I wasn't watching at the end. Did Robin intentionally leave that box? Oh, um, maybe. I didn't because watch her pack, so or not closely enough. That's possible. Oh, now, now I gotta know. How am I gonna find out? <laughs> um, we have to. I mean, we just find the play and we read it. I guess. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> um, we'll be right, dear Jen Silverman. <laughs> that's true. I will say I wasn't. I, we talked about this a little bit before. I wasn't, I don't know if I wanted it to be wrapped in a tiny bow at the end, but when Robin calls Sharon at the end, I, I wasn't uh-huh. super happy with that interaction from Robin. Cause I thought, I, I don't know. I don't know that it was, I don't know that it was out of character for her, but I just thought her character would do something just a little bit different there. 
Oh, no, I thought the fact that she even called was her showing that she had grown as a person. That's true. I know, I guess. Yeah, I thought that was like, because the thing is, um, I think it's easier to do the arc of good to bad than it is to do the arc from bad to good. Yeah, that's true. And and so I think um, what would have made it... um, like more schmaltzy is if um, they had some scene, like if they had her daughter in the background saying, hey, mom, we got to go or something like that, then that would have been more, uh, you know, oh, that's the arc of that person. Um, but I was glad that they didn't have it that way, I, that her changes were more in like incremental and that was also why I find it so strange that uh, Sharon's story arc like accelerated so much and yeah that's true that's true yeah you when you said bad to good it hers was very subtle and she went I I don't want to say she went less far on her journey but her journey was already in place before we started with them yeah yeah but um, i do appreciate her journey yeah so i think that uh, what i would say is so like um sharon's journey was influenced by a person and robin's journey was influenced by her because she chose it agree agree yeah yeah that's interesting. yeah she chose to move to iowa Sharon just had somebody land in her life. Right. And she decided, you know, what's interesting is Sharon kind of decided she wanted that life because she wasn't happy with hers. So instead of coming up where Robin kind of said, this is what I want to do. This is how I'm going to do it. Sharon was like, well, that looks like fun. Let's just do that instead. It's almost like she didn't plan her course. She just picked someone else's course. Yeah, she exactly. She just co-opted Sharon's life. I mean, Mm -hmm. um, Robin's life. yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, it was, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really well done. I thought that, like we said before, the actresses were great. They had great chemistry. The story thought provoking. Um, yes. I really, really enjoyed it. I agree. It was, again, it was a thinker. I thought about it um, a lot, you know, in all our, these are our favorite plays. Um, we've talked about how we really like plays and musicals that make us think. This was a thinker. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. Um, I would recommend people to go see it as well, too. So Yeah, it, it plays until August 16th. Um, oh, okay. So, yeah, there's plenty of time to go see it if there's still um, tickets available. So I we actually changed our date, and I will say that the Playhouse gave them a call because everything was all booked up. But they had said that um, because people are not paying for the tickets, they're instead making a reservation – Um, A lot of times people will not show up last minute. Um, And so they said that even if you don't have tickets, if you show up at 630, they've never turned anyone away. So even if all the parking spots are taken, um, we we saw some people sitting in their lawn chairs in the shade underneath some trees and stuff. So they've never turned anyone away. And I thought I heard them say that when we went on Friday for opening night, it was the fullest it has been. Um, Um, And like like we said before, it's, it's very, I feel very safe. It's all socially distanced. The people that are um, coming by to talk to you in the car have face shields on or face masks or both. Um, 
So I just think it's a, they're doing a really great job. Also, the temperatures have dropped nicely. It made for a very pleasant evening. It was um, very nice. Yeah, it was a really good uh, way to spend an evening as well, too. So, yeah. And uh, by the time the uh, because the days are getting shorter, um, by the time it the performance ended, it was a very nice sunset. So, yeah, good. Good to have the windows down. Nice little breeze. It was it was beautiful. Beautiful yes. day. Yeah. Again, like I, I keep saying this, but the Des Moines Playhouse has really done an excellent job um, working how this like working this out and I'm very happy for them and I hope that they have had a um financially it's worked out for them as well too yeah yeah because the the tickets are pay what you can and so they just come around and they ask if you'd like to give a donation they you can do it with a credit card or an app or cash and then they also have um refreshments that you can purchase for donation as well. So they're doing this all on donation basis. Um, But I just thank them for bringing theater to central Iowa and making it accessible to everybody. And I think they're getting a lot of support from corporate donors. And I think they're getting a lot of support from the people who are coming to see the shows as well. Yeah, as they should. So Mm -hmm. Uh, Any other closing thoughts? No, I think that's it for me for The Roommate. I highly recommend anyone listening go watch it. It was great. Same here. All right. Well, until next time, everybody. Bye. Bye.